In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who is our family. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when you're about to go into the seminary, you have to do these preparatory things, and one of those preparatory things is that you have to go into this meeting, this interview, with a whole board full of people, and um, they ask you things basically to make sure that um, you, you would be qualified for the office of pastor, um, and that there's nothing sort of glaring out there that they would say, well, maybe you should think about being a garbage collector instead. Um, and so, uh, when I went to my my interview, uh, it, it was kind of interesting, uh, you know, we, we had about an hour's worth of time where um, they asked me questions and I tried to respond as best as I could, and uh, at the end of the interview, they said, well, is there anything else that you think that we should know? And I was feeling pretty good and pretty cocky, and so at the end of the interview, I said, um, well, I've spent some time in jail. This is that story. It was before I went into the seminary, and um, I was actually working for my parents over a summer. We had a few houses out in Washington, Missouri, which is about 45 minutes west of St. Louis. And so I was out there, and I would take a couple of days, and I would go out there, and I would work on on the houses that we we owned and that we rented out to people, and uh, basically kind of did handyman work and stuff. And so I was out there, uh, you know, it was after a long, hard day of work, and I was sitting on the porch, and and just getting ready to go back to St. Louis where I would once again be with my family. And then all of a sudden, unexpectedly, my dad pulls into the driveway of the house that I was working on. And um, and it, I was a little bit concerned. And um, he got out and he sat on the porch with me. And um, uh, he pulled out this envelope and this envelope was from where I was doing my undergrad work, um, and uh, the the news wasn't good. I knew that it wasn't good, and, and I was kind of um, not not really looking forward to this day because um, I, I wasn't totally infatuated with college when I was uh, always an undergrad, and some of those classes uh, I thought were pretty much a waste of my time, and I let them know that by not showing up. Um, by the way, if you're a freshman, don't do that. They don't like it. And so because of that, my, my grades had suffered. And uh, I got this thing back that I still regret to this day. I mean, it harmed my cumulative GPA. It, it was horrible. And, and I got this report card back, and it was ugly. And uh, he, and that wasn't it, though. Because, you see, along with this, um, they had also included a, a, a bill for some parking tickets, which I thought that I was going to get off scot-free. You see... Um, the way that my undergrad worked was that they would give you a parking sticker, and your parking sticker had a number on it, and you had to renew that sticker every year. And so I thought that I would be really smart and just not renew it that year, and that way they wouldn't know who I was because they, they wouldn't have a new parking number for me. And so, I th- and so throughout the year then, I took to par- parking in the faculty lot because it was closer. <laughs> And I knew that they would never tow you, and I would just get these uh, these tickets, and I would crumple them up and say, oh, well, they don't know who I am. I was wrong. 
$250 wrong. And my dad and I sat on that porch and we had a very painful conversation for me about um, how he, he wasn't sure what I was doing up there while I was in undergrad and if I really understood what a blessing it was to be able to be there and um, really asking me some hard questions about who I thought I was and who he thought I was. And um, I was in a lot of pain because I knew that I had done wrong. I knew that these things weren't good. And he had to take his truck into the shop, and so we were going to drive back to St. Louis together, and we were going to talk to my mom about this, and um, that was going to be another conversation that I wasn't looking forward to. And so we dropped off his truck, and then we got into my car, and of course, um, I, this was had to be the day that um, there was a stretch of, of uh, space in that town that as you were leaving, you know, everybody, no, nobody went the speed limit, and uh, I certainly wasn't going to. And... And so I, I was driving through there, and um, all of a sudden I see the lights go off behind me, and I'm like, of course it's today. So I'm in there, and the cop comes up, and she says, uh, license and registration and all of that. So I give her that stuff, and then she comes back, and she says those words that you never want to hear from a police officer. Mr. Winters, will you please step out of the car? Now, I had been pulled over before. I knew this wasn't normal. And I said, okay. And so she brought me to the back of the car, and she explained to me that there was a uh, warrant out for my arrest. And that warrant had to do with uh, about a year before I had had a fix-it ticket in the county of Fulton, Missouri, which was in the middle of Missouri, and uh, I was now on the eastern side of Missouri, and uh, there, there was some miscommunication, actually, uh, that had happened, and uh, it turned out that I didn't uh, let somebody know about that fix-it ticket. I had let the state know, but I hadn't let the county know, and so now there was a bench warrant out for my arrest. And she said, don't worry about it. They probably won't extradite you. Um, but what we have to do is we have to sit here and uh, we have to wait for a while for them to get back to us and say that they won't extradite you because that's going to be you know a two-hour drive for them. They're not going to want to do that. And so, um, uh, sure enough, we're standing there for a while and she gets a, a call on her radio and um, <laughs> she goes, they won't extradite you. <laughs> And I thought, of course. And so um, she put the cuffs on me, and I learned a lot of things about uh, uh, going to jail. Um, I learned that the handcuffs really are really not that comfortable. Um, and that they actually have little grooves in the back of the police cruiser, at least the town of Washington did, where if your hands are behind you, there's little grooves for your hands if you're sitting in the back of the police cruiser. So I thought that was nice. <laughs> and we get out, and they book me. And uh, the whole while, the officer is trying to make light of this. She's trying to make me um, sort of smile. She's saying, you know, someday you'll look back at this and you'll laugh at it. Uh, you know, you may even look back at it tonight and laugh at it. And I just look at her like, you have no idea what my day has been like. 
And then she says, okay, well, now we have to put you in, in the cell. And uh, so, um, uh, and this was after she had tried to convince me to smile in my mugshot. And she said, you have to go into your cell. And so I went into the cell, and I always thought it would be a little bit more romantic than what it actually was. And uh, it's j- just basically a glass case with a, a stainless steel toilet in there. And um, it's kind of enough to hold one or two people. They didn't have a whole lot of hardened criminals in Washington, Missouri, I guess. And I was the only one in there, and it was really extremely boring um, sitting in there knowing that I couldn't do anything, and the only thing that I could do was watch the ants, which um, were apparently trying to break out of prison, um, go up and down the wall. And I saw them go up and down that wall for about 45 minutes, but it felt more like it was three hours until finally that, that police officer came up to the door and she pulled out these big keys and opened up my cell and she said, uh, you can go. Your father is Pedro Bale. And so I walked out and, you know, you go through the little corridors and everything and finally you get out to this sort of waiting room and there's my dad. He's sitting in the hallway and he gets up And I don't know what to expect. I sort of sheepishly uh, walk in his direction, not really knowing what's going to happen, because here I am. I have just utterly uh, unimpressed my father. I have let him down in so many ways, Um, from my grades to the parking tickets to um, now this whole business of uh, I actually have a mugshot. And, and my fingers are purple, and he uh, begins to speak, and I'm just waiting for just absolute horrificness coming out of his mouth. And it is actually absolutely horrific what he is saying, but what he's saying is absolutely horrific towards the people that put me in jail. I can't believe that they took you and stuck you in that cell. I can't they wanted to extradite you to Fulton, Missouri for a fix-it ticket. I can I they they're going to hear from us. You bet they're going to hear from us. And we get in the car and that's all he can talk about. We get back home and he's telling my mom the whole thing and suddenly uh, somewhere in there I realize that he is mad and it's not at me. That he's angry, not because I've let him down so much, but because somebody has come after his son. And he's not going to let that happen. Somebody has tried to take his authority over me and preempt it with their own. And that's what Paul is talking about to the Galatians. You see, what he's saying here is that when we were under the law, that it was basically like we were in that holding cell. When when you're under the law, the law takes away your freedom. When you are in jail, you're in jail for a reason. I deserve to be in there. Maybe not for the fixed ticket, but certainly for everything else that had come to light that day. 
when you're under the law, you're, you're under the law. And it takes away your freedom. It takes away the authority that even your, your rightful forebears have over you. And that's what Paul is saying here, is the condition of our existence under the law. That when we're under the law without Christ, it's like being in that holding cell. That it's long and it's boring. And we have no freedom. And we don't even have the connection that we need to have with the one who is closest to us. But somebody comes in and pays the bill. Jesus Christ stepped into our world and He paid our bail. He paid the price that it took to get us out of there. And after I was out of there, we actually fought the charge, got it thrown out of court, and the judge in the case actually recommended that the Fulton Police Department send me an apology letter, which they never did. But that's okay. (laughs) But that is the level... of God's protection of us by the gospel. That he says, I'm not only going to take you out of this, but I am going to make you absolutely free. We are going to get those charges thrown out of court. And sin and death and the devil are going to have to apologize for having messed with you. My son... My daughter. That's the level of love that Christ has for us. That God the Father has for us. And that the Holy Spirit has for us. And now we're free. I was made free. And I learned some things not to do. From that point on. Not because I was cajoled into it, but because I respected the freedom that I've that I have. That's the freedom that we have together as Christians set free by the gospel. Amen.